Welcome to Neurodiversity Unbound. Maura Hill is an Associate Professor in the English Department at the Community College of Baltimore County. Maura and her son Ross have an open and honest conversation about neurodiversity. They discuss what is important for parents and college professors to know and how to be supportive to neurodivergent students as well as all students. My name is Maura Hill. I'm an English instructor. I'm an associate professor of English at the Catonsville campus. And I'm talking to my kid, Ross. You can introduce yourself. Um, I'm Ross. I'm 21 years old. I'm not a child. Um, And I have ADHD. Um, So I'm just going to ask you one question. Mm-hmm. Probably will take us five minutes to answer it, I'm sure. But what's something that you think is important for parents like me or college professors like me to know about someone who is neurodiverse, someone who has ADHD? So uh, I think that when you are a teacher or a parent or someone who is working a lot with children, um, is to not wait for a kid to get diagnosed or labeled with any sort of disorder before providing them like the help that you would give. So like for context, I was diagnosed at 17 years old, I think. And before that, I was always like, oh, you know, they're, they're bright, but they're not applying themselves or they're you know, they can't stay focused in class or they're like this disruptive. Um, And I think that sort of behavior can, like whether or not it's indicative, like whether or not the child themselves has ADHD or autism or any other, anything else under the umbrella of neurodiversity, I think you should provide the same level of understanding for a disruptive student or a kid who can't sit still, you know, whether or not you're told that they have ADHD or autism or anything. So like. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, if a kid can't sit still, there's one, they're a kid, right? But if you think a kid's not implying themselves enough, like if they could, if you think, oh, they're bright, but they just need to work harder, that's unhelpful. What do you wish, I know, because you didn't get diagnosed till 17. And before that, we just thought that you're really bright and you'll be fine. And it was just weird sometimes that your grades didn't match up. And yes, we did say things like you need to work harder. Um, Mm -hmm. but what would have been something that would be, would have been more helpful to say at that point? Um, I honestly think that sort of the best reassurance that I've learned to give myself and that I think anyone who's struggling, any like a neurodivergent kid who's struggling in, in school or anywhere else is that 
your performance on school, your grades, your test scores, like are not indicative of your worth as a person. If you are falling behind where you think you're supposed to be, if you're like not living up to the expectations that are placed upon you, you are no like you are no less worthy of love. You're no less, you know, you're no less good of a person. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. because living up to some sort of expert, like a lot of my stress and a lot of the uh, pain that this has caused me is just feeling like I've failed something and that I haven't tried hard enough and that it's my fault when in reality, you know, these kids, all of us are trying our hardest and sometimes trying our hardest, like, you know, people will say, you can do anything if you set your mind to it. But some of us, there are some things that we can't do even if we do try our hardest and that's not a failure. It doesn't mean we're not trying hard enough. It just means that we, just there's some things that you can't do and that's okay that doesn't mean that you're not trying your hardest yeah yeah that's true and I get that I feel like I've talked for more than five minutes no no now it's your turn to ask me a question um all right so these things often run in the family, right? Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I have no idea. Maybe they, they do. do. They do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to know how, like, having one kid who's been diagnosed with ADHD, like professionally, has mm-hmm. made you like, has that recontextualized? Like, are there things that you now see in yourself or your family or you know your husband and his family, like? does that change how you view certain behaviors and tendencies in your own family? Well, I don't know. I think in my own family, um, there was always a pressure to, you know, go to school and do well in school. Um, And from my perspective, we all did, but I don't know if you asked some of my, well, if you asked one of my siblings who did pretty well in school, but it was not really his thing, you know, um, I don't know if that was an ADHD issue or just, you know, in my mind, those things get connected, right? Like school was my thing, so I didn't mind doing it and I could do pretty well, right? Um mm-hmm. And my brother, very intelligent, but we just said, oh, school wasn't his thing, right? And it's not like he did poorly in school, right? But I don't know if we would go back now and say, could that be an ADHD thing? Um, I think the way we do school in this country creates more problems for kids who are neurodivergent because we only do school in one kind of way. Yeah. So when I think about 
dad, you know, he always says he didn't do well in school, but he's a highly organized, I think, and effective, I think, and a, a good professional. He's got a lot of things that he has to keep track of, and he can keep track of all of them. So he says he didn't do well in school. Was that an ADHD thing? Was that a way boys are treated in school kind of thing? Yeah, um, and one thing I do want to mention here is that, like, a ADHD, autism, all all these different, like, all everything else under the neurodiversity umbrella, which is several things, not just ADHD and autism, but they are just names given to collections of symptoms that tend to happen together. Right. Um, they are not some, they're not some like immutable ontological thing about a person. Right. So they're like, I can't believe I you just put ontological into this conversation. Go. I you. couldn't think. I couldn't think of a better <laughs> word. It is the best word. There is it's no better a, word than ontological. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, to your question, looking back on my family and looking back through Dad's family, what I know of them, um, I don't know. I don't want to like retroactively say, "Oh, it was one thing or it was another." A friend of mine, who uh, we took education classes together, she said everybody's on a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody has these qualities to a greater or lesser degree. Um, yeah, and so, they're like, yeah. But I, when I, if I say that, I don't want to detract from people who have real legitimate, you know. Well, no, here's here's the thing. That's that comes back around to what I was saying before. Like, don't. Don't wait for someone to be officially diagnosed with XYZ to treat their like the things that they're struggling with the same mm -hmm. way you treat someone like say there's a kid in your class who's struggling to focus and can't sit still, mm -hmm. even if they you know, even if they aren't, you should uh treat them with the same sort of understanding and care that you would treat someone who you knew had ADHD like officially because oftentimes like oftentimes based on gender based on race based on like access to yeah. a doctor access to, yeah. like if some like there are a lot of people who have what we would call ADHD what we call autism but would not are not diagnosed Mm -hmm. uh, and will struggle more because they don't have, you know, the accommodations, right? right. Like, so I know, think if I if I had been diagnosed with ADHD earlier in school, I could have gotten like accommodations and stuff for it, but I didn't. And there are a lot of kids who will do that and like go into their adult life struggling so much and not like because they they weren't treated with the accommodations that people who would have access to diagnoses would be treated with. Right. So people with a diagnosis and an accommodation um, get treatment that really should be applied to everybody. You know, you had a hard time yeah. completing this assignment. You can have an extension 
I don't, I'm not giving you an extension just because some IEP tells me to. I'm giving you an extension because clearly you need it. And if you finish the assignment and you do well on the assignment, that's really all that matters. Yeah. And like, draw, like, if you try to draw a line between who deserves this and who doesn't deserve this, then you get into tricky territory. Like, you'll end up giving accommodations to people who have more of a support network and then people who don't and are still struggling but can't prove that they have a disability yeah will not get accommodations and that's just worse so like if you're giving like this is i don't want to like come at this at the angle that it's unfair that these kids are getting accommodations and these aren't it's more okay what is in what is a a factor of this system that's causing people to struggle and how can we eradicate that you know sure and that's universal design for learning why don't we do something that eradicates the obstacles full stop but i think also ross you're talking about equity that some people have access to the money and to the resources and to the diagnosis and some people don't some people have access to the medication some people don't yeah. And there are also some ways that like treatment for neurodiversity, like there are a lot of um, therapies and stuff out there, especially for autistic kids that are that there are a lot of um, adults now who grew up with like receiving those treatments like right. ABA therapy who are saying that incredibly harmful so we should also re reimagine like how do we how are we treating kids and how are we like are we are we providing treatment and care for neurodivergent kids to try and make them act more like a neurotypical person or are we doing this to help them live their life in a way that's fulfilling for them you know right and oftentimes a lot of stuff is done to make to try and force people to act quote unquote normal at a detriment to their health, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. don't like, I, I don't know. I think I try not to go the entire system. Everything needs to be overhauled and changed and torn. Burn like, it all down. Burn it all down because I, I tend to get since when have you stopped asking to burn it all down no I'd say I'm trying not to because I'm (laughs) trying I'm really holding myself back from you know saying we need to live in an anarcho-communist paradise where everyone is free to you know interact with the world the way that they do but also you know Well, Ross, I don't know how much they're going to edit out of this, but thank you. Thank you for listening to Neurodiversity Unbound.